0: going to get any run.
1: He better be an epically good flag waver. He needs to be the patty mills of cheering on his teammates. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com/holybackboard. Over 180,000 titles to choose from on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Let's go. Let's go. Come on everybody. And let's
0: All right, everybody. Welcome to the 50th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, here in rainy Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage chilling in Southern Oregon. So excited for this 50th episode. We planned so many, many cool things. Honestly, not really. We're just, we're just happy basketball is back.
0: Basketball is back. And I read a tweet just now from Tara, who was a guest on our previous show from the Blazers Edge Podcast saying I'm so drunk with happiness that I'm sitting here on my couch with my cat watching Rockets and Lakers. And that's exactly what I was doing right before we hopped on this podcast to record at about 1024 on a uh, wet wet night here in uh, Portland on Wednesday.
1: I mean, I, I, I'm just happy it's back. I don't care who's playing. I just need it in my life. Like, 2K was a cool thing for me to get my attention, but – this is real basketball, and this is what I'm really passionate about.
0: It's just it's, it's amazing, but it's not the same. And what makes it even better is that, for me, I get that free week-long league pass. So, what,
1: what are the teams that you are watching with your free league
0: pass? Obviously, I'm looking at division opponents. I'm looking at good matchups. Surprisingly, the opening Wednesday wasn't super strong of a slate. I mean, ESPN went with the Rockets-Lakers, which did turn out to be a competitive game. Uh, as well as, as Philadelphia and OKC. But with Ben Simmons and Joel Jill, Jill Okafor out, that one didn't tickle my fancy as much. Uh, it looked like the the Timberwolves blew a huge lead early on the Memphis Grizzlies, and Boston struggled to get past Brooklyn. Uh, Dallas and Indy already went to OT. So there are definitely a lot of good games, just not a lot of, I think, sexy matchups. And then you have the stat lines. Harden just... I mean, he's going to be putting up major numbers. He had like what, seventeen or eighteen assists in D'Antoni's system. He your, looked, you're your... good. Like he offensively looked good. Yeah, he was but getting rebounds is the keyword because that team is a shit show on defense. Oh, absolutely. Like they just lost to the Lakers, and the Lakers yeah. are trash.
1: As I saw James Harden, I was like, "That's a great pass. That's a great pass."
0: How long is this James Harden going to last? And I said, as long as they win. Well, if you can't beat the Lakers and you're not going to be in the playoff picture, which we predicted a couple episodes ago, it's going to just become me ball Mm -hmm. and he's just going to take over. Um, I don't think they have the pieces in play to make this system fully work. I think you have to put up some form of resemblance um, of, of an effort on defense you, you can't give up 120 points every night and expect to win. Like, the offense can only take you so far. And then we got your guy who, in, a, in an unfortunate losing effort, Anthony Davis just goes nuclear, about uh, 50 points, fills up the entire uh, fucking seven,
1: Seven day. steals, bro. It's, it's amazing. They tried. They lost, but they tried really hard, which makes me feel good. But they got out-rebounded by 24 rebounds. That's how you lose games right there.
0: Yeah, you can't get out rebounded to the Nugget. You can't lose your home opener to the Denver Nuggets. I know the Pelicans probably are not going to make the playoffs, but you cannot lose your home opener to the Denver Nuggets, the the likely worst team in the Northwest Division. Uh, I know this is Nurkic Pel-
1: looked good, like healthy, that which is scary for the future. But like he got like 14 rebounds and looked really, really strong. I don't know how we're gonna handle those bit that big rotation just because they. Have dudes that we really don't have a way to stop just because of the super bulkiness.
0: And before we jump into Portland's big opening night victory, there was uh, another game that that was played on opening night on national television. I didn't
1: even watch it to be completely. I honestly. didn't watch
0: it either. I was at the Blazer game, but I looked at my phone and I kept looking. I was like, "Holy shit!" The Spurs are waxing the Warriors, and I just returned from San Francisco and. Definitely saw a ton of Giants gear, which I like. I'm a Giants guy. Uh, but there, you know, you go to the there's a huge sports shop I wanted to go to on Pier 39. No, I mean just 90%, maybe maybe 75% Warriors. All the airports, Warriors. Like they are stoked about the Warriors. Warriors advertisements everywhere, and for that team to come out and lay an egg, I don't care if they win the title this year. Anytime they lose, it's going to put a smile on my face because. You know, just fuck that team. It's yeah. always going to be fuck that team. You listen to this podcast, you know our stance. So, if you like the Warriors, you might want to just. either Why are you or...
1: listening to us first? Of yeah,
0: of you <laughs> probably shouldn't be listening. To you. You've
1: heard so much shade about your team. If you are a Warriors fan, every show we just say fuck the Warriors.
0: I mean that's our that's our analysis. Fuck the Warriors, but but really, they showed that a team can outshine four stars. I know it's one night, but. The Spurs have some magic formula. I'm still not – we did pick them second, but I'm still not sold that they're this type of a contender. It was opening night. Popovich is a – he's a better coach than Steve Kerr's. You know, Steve Kerr's a great coach. Nobody is in Pop's level, maybe in any other sport other than Bill Belichick. I mean, those two are the goats of coaching right now, and – I apologize. I said Kawhi is a system superstar. I think he could fit in any fucking system. Uh, He is amazing. That vine where he just looks like a fucking transformer holding the ball from left to right. I mean, just his wingspan and just shaking Iguodala. A great defender for that pull-up mid-range. They looked good. I don't know if LaMarcus is sustainable shooting those jumpers. How did he do well?
1: I, I mean, like, did the marks look...
0: He played pretty well. It was mostly Kawhi and Jonathan Simmons who came off the bench and just just gave it to him. The, there was a great vine from Bleacher Report, and it was like the crystal ball emoji. It had Jonathan Simmons coming down and doing a chase-down block, and they did a flashback of LeBron on Iguodala in Game 7 of the Finals. So, Simmons that... has
1: some talent, bro, and to come from the D-League... And... Did you know
0: he paid $100 yep. to try out? I mean, that is... That is a hustle, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to have, have to play with that such a, so much desire is pretty awesome that he actually made it into the NBA and on the best team, or one of the best teams, and is contributing.
0: But if you're a Warriors fan, it's one game. You get uh, to play I'm New not, Orleans. I'm not surprised they lost. I'm pretty surprised they lost. I'm definitely surprised they they lost by 29. I've heard of teams on ring ceremony nights getting you know beat down like that. Uh, Heat bowls, probably season opener of 06, 07 season after the, the Heat had beaten the Mavericks, uh, the Heat got shellacked. Chicago just took it to them. Um, and that's happened before. You know, you've got the emotion of that. But for a team that blew a 3-1 lead, unprecedented before in NBA history, acquired the biggest free agent maybe of all time, uh, moving teams maybe outside of Shaq going to LA in '96. You would have thought they would have came out a little bit more. I mean, this kind of shows that they thought they were just going to show up and teams were going to roll over for them. That's not going to happen. No, and,
1: man, you're going to get your best shot from all 29 other teams.
0: And I think the key to beating the Warriors is you got to pound them inside. Draymond Green's what they're. I mean, I know they got Pachulia, but he's he's washed. Um, he's going to have a couple good games here and there, be a good rebounder, but he's really not. I like good Zaza, that- but. He's not the defender that Bokeh was. <laughs> no,
1: no. But uh, not many teams. I mean, Bokeh fit in that system really well. Screw the fucking Warriors.
0: Yeah, just, just fuck the Warriors. Like, Pelicans, I hope the brow drops. You 60 know, on them. A dollar bill on them. That that would be oh. great. Go Wilt Chamberlain on. Make them go 0-2. Uh, just, just keep that up. But what we're here for, what you're here for, Trailblazers basketball. And for the 16th straight year in a row, an NBA record, mind you, your Portland Trailblazers won their home opener. They had to uh, go a little bit closer than they would like with uh, facing a, a shorthanded Jazz team, but they fought hard. Lillard came up clutch, and they ended up with a 113-104 victory. Sage, uh, I'm not going to lie, I didn't think they would take the Warrior, or the Jazz lightly, and I, I'm sure that's not what happened, but... It was a, a bittersweet kind of game for me because I expected a bigger margin of victory going up against the Jazz team without Alec Burks, Joe, uh, not Joe Johnson, Gordon Hayward. <laughs> yeah, Joe that, Johnson was there at and, and lie, Derek man. Favors. So you've got three pretty key members of the Jazz. I definitely wouldn't have assumed they would have got 104 points, but Joe Johnson has ha- always had a knack. I mean, I saw Joe. He does play a different brand of basketball that's really. I want to rare. say not extinct, yeah, but, but it is a rare. rare. It, it's not traditional anymore in today's NBA. So when you do go up against that, it is a different look. And he was having his way with our guards. Um,
1: Rodney Hood 20, played well, too. He had 29.
0: I think he had like 15 points and didn't miss a shot in the third. Hood had a monster dunk, uh, was pretty lethal from three. He's, he's a legit baller, 26 points, 9 of 17 shots. And then George Hill set the tempo early, uh, mm-hmm. 19 points, finished the game. But he, he he cooled off a bit, and he, he missed a crucial three when they were up three. He had a wide-open corner three right in front of his bench. Missed, and I was like, you know, thank God he missed that because that kind of really gave us hope, and you don't want to – you know, you're already at home. The, the, the team knows about the streak. The fans know about the streak now that it was an NBA record. And so going down six would have been a, a pretty big burden at the time, but he missed it, thankfully. I think we capitalized, and it was back to a you know a one-possession game. What worried me, and there's a lot of positives to take away from this game, but I think we need to get the negatives out of the way first, was our defense. Yep, especially the,
1: our, uh, front, our backcourt defense. Our
0: and wings I would, and
1: guards got destroyed.
0: And I wouldn't blame it entirely on the wings and guards. Absolutely because
1: not, because it's, it's a team. But it's a team, and you've we we got them in bad defenders. suspicions. Yeah.
0: These centers aren't coming out and helping the guards. They're They're kind of Half assing it, you know, and that's probably what they're being taught. It's not the effort that's half assing, it's the strategy. But we've because,
1: complained about this from jump last year. It hasn't oh, changed.
0: It, it, I don't think it will because they want to give the opposing team a mid range jump shot. But my beef is you shouldn't be giving a team, any NBA player, any sort of shot, whether it's a layup, a three, or a mid range. As we've seen, the Jonathan Simmons guys can come off the street, put in the work. They're NBA players for a reason they're knockdown shooters. You give them an open look, they start hitting 1 to 2 to 3, they get a rhythm and it's like they're in an open gym with nobody there, nobody guarding him. Yeah, I mean,
1: George Hill said it th- yet yeah, or 2 days ago. That's what happened with George Hill. He got 3 layups and then was confident for an entire half. I think Rodney Hood got a few layups and like and one opportunities, got confident, killed us. Joe Johnson just posted up whoever I don't even remember who he was posting up but was just dominating every guard matchup. He got comfortable. You can't let NBA players get comfortable.
0: No, and that's what we did and I would like to see us try just for just for the sake of trying. Send a double team, send a half court trap. The Jazz Edge. don't have the yes, they don't have any fantastic distributors. George Hill is a shoot first point guard. Rodney Hood is looking just to sh- score the basketball. Joe Johnson is not a, really a great passer. These guys are all one-track minds, and that is getting the ball in the bucket, not finding somebody else to do so. And it's not like their bigs that they had in the game were going to be really threats to, to finish.
1: Again, man, they they the Blazers play like it's 99 with all those great centers. It's a different game just look at how many guards dominate the blazers every time they play them it's cuz of the pick and roll defense it's happened time after time after time it's a it's like a you can just predict this guy's going to go off for 25 30 you can't let nba players get comfortable and i mean i think that if they want to run that type of scheme on the pick and roll just a few times a quarter do something different because every team knows Oh, we're just gonna get mid-range jumpers and live that way. If you hedge a few times, it puts doubt in their mind that they're gonna get this easy mid-range jumper. And one or two possessions that would have would be a make that were a miss, that's how you that's how you go from the twentieth ranked defense to the tenth. It's not that much. It's a small margin between awful and elite.
0: And when I really felt the game turned around for Portland, when they got a pretty big lead, a double-digit lead, I thought they would start to run away. It was in the second quarter. Uh, Mason Plumlee continues to foul, and foul at an alarming rate. He did it in the preseason, and I chalked it up to stocks leaving him in there. But he plays 15 minutes and, and gets four personal fouls and was really a non-factor. And he's a big who's athletic enough to hedge. We, oh, we've yeah. seen it. But he went out, and I thought the game really flipped once Ed Davis and Noah Von came in. Those two
1: played some pretty great defense.
0: They were the ones that I thought helped out the guards. Because you watch Damon and CJ. They're trying to fight through those screens. They can only do so much.
1: Yeah, when you're, when you're going against a brick wall, you need some help.
0: You know you need to have, you know, help the helper. Mm-hmm. But what, with Von Ley, he almost just says, like, fuck it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to play good perimeter defense. I'm going to hedge if I have to. He is quick enough. He is athletic enough. He has the potential to be a defensive beast. And then you've got Ed Davis, who is just scrappy as hell. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get that loose ball. He's going to make every... If he can jump eight inches or contest a shot within eight inches, he is going to try to go nine. Like He mm-hmm. is going to make that extra effort to make life a living hell for the for the opposition. And that's what he did. And it kind of just brought a dog back into the Blazers on defense. Like, they were fighting. They were just more physical, and they wanted it more. And that's really when the game turned around. And we look at, Ed, I mean, that's just a, a regular Ed Davis line. You know, six points, seven boards, only takes three shots. He was a plus 21, the highest of trailblazer and he was getting those finishing five minutes. I
1: mean, I, I think Basin wants to do well. It's not on that, but it's like, just be a little bit more aggressive on the on defense, and uh, do you think it was because of his fouls that he didn't? Well, he couldn't be aggressive on defense.
0: Well, I think he needs to be smart when he's aggressive. Like a lot of the fouls he's picking up are just mental mistakes. Like mm-hmm. don't fall for a pump fake on Rudy Gobert. Um, just control your body a little bit more. I don't know where this you know foul barrage came from, but it, like all of a sudden the preseason, like that was a big trend that I was looking at. And, you know, Portland needs him on the court. He is a great facilitator at that position. And if he can also hit that jump shot, he becomes a huge asset. Like, he is a really good player mm-hmm. and showed that in the, the Clipper series.
1: And if he so, can hit that mid-range jumper, he comes, becomes pretty good to really good. And people have to respect it. Uh, I, was, I had to watch the Utah stream because I no longer have KGW for some reason. So I had to hear Matt Harpering talk. And, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, dude, it was I awful. I condolged it. It was awful. But he was say, talking about how you can leave Mason Plumlee open. And if that's the idea around the league, once he hits a few shots, people are going to have to rethink the way they play defense on the Blazers. So him being able to hit a 10-foot jumper is pretty huge. And, Sounds a
0: lot like the narrative on Alper Camino coming into last season.
1: Yeah. Now he's the third most valuable player on – a. Playoff
0: con- oh, playoff team. So, obviously, we'll get to Dame. We'll get to CJ. Those are our, our two guys. I thought the star of the show was the Blazer bench. Mm-hmm. That's when the game changed. I thought that's where we're going to win a lot of games is our depth. You know, a lot of teams might be able to hang with our starting five. For one and a half quarters, maybe for for two and a half. But once that bench gets their first wave in the first half and the second wave in the in the third quarter, it's going to start wearing them down. And Portland scored 29, 38 points. Utah has 16. And two players outside of Vonleh or outside of Ed Davis that really stood out was Alan Crabb mm-hmm. and Noah Vonleh. Let's talk about Noah first because we already mentioned him for his defense. But offensively, that was the best I've ever seen Bonley look. He did not have one ounce of hesitation in his shot, in his decision-making. His form looked better. It looked more vertical. And what impressed me even more was when he got the ball at the top of the key, put a couple dribbles, put Boris Diaw in the spin cycle and laid it in, that is a big-time move. That is not just I'm a specialist who can hit a mid-range shot and grab a couple of rebounds. That says to me... I've got more potential left in this tank. I just need to tap into it.
1: Mm. And I, I think that he just has confidence. And playing with confidence is just so beneficial to your game. I mean, you saw how Shabazz, Shabazz Napier looked in the preseason. It's because he had confidence. The coach instilled, hey, if you've got the shot, I want you to shoot it. I think Noah has that same type of confidence, and it's because of like everybody on that team supporting him so hard.
0: And if anyone gets a chance, go read Jason Quick's article um, behind, I believe it's like behind the locker room. And there's two parts. One of the parts talks about Noah Leigh, how he's like a little brother. You know, they, they give him shit, they pick on him, but at the end of the day, they want to see him succeed. Mm-hmm. And there are some really telling quotes about how well all of his peers think he could be. And that's just, you know, another sign of, just be patient with this guy. He just turned twenty one. He would be a senior at Indiana if he had stayed all four years right now. Mm-hmm. So when people look back and say, God, we just got screwed on that Batum trade. Why did we give him up? You know, Henderson's already in Philadelphia. is a bust. You've got to be patient. Mm-hmm. Everyone, a lot of people, I remember reading a lot of message boards saying CJ. McCollum was a bust. It was after like a year and a half. you have to wait, not everyone's gonna be a dame or an a d. And we say this over and over again. Those guys don't come along every, every year yeah. where they're just franchise players right off the bat.
1: Keep in mind, rookies suck. Most rookies suck. And Dame didn't suck, but that's because he had so much time working in Weber State. You know he learned how to run a pick and roll correctly. A lot of these players don't have that type of seasoning that Dame got. You know, then some, Anthony players, Davis is just some like a,
0: players have it, like Carl Anthony Towns. They just have it, and mm-hmm. they're going to have it right off the bat. Other players take time to develop. Chauncey Billups is a perfect example. He got traded, bounced around from team to team to team, finally found a good home. Like I don't think people realize how the situation they're in. You know, whether it's the city, the coaching staff, the teammates, that affects how they play. And it seems like Noah's finally getting comfortable. He went out after what he called a pretty poor summer league. Played some pickup ball at the UCLA campus with you know a few NBA players, and I think his teammates just keep you know positive feedback and mm. just their hope that he wants to do good is really driving his success. And again, if he comes out and lays an egg against the Clippers, don't go back okay. on the bus. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of ebbs and flows with Vonleh's game as he grows. He's still a young, a young pup. I mean, were you good at your job at age 22? I mean, I'll talk right now. I was not good at my job. I was okay at my job at Sparkloff when I joined. I mean, I'm it's night and day, for, and it's been like two years.
1: Yeah, like when I worked in radio, I was one of the shyest kids growing up. So it takes a long time for you to get used to your job. Give him equal time to get used and used to it acclimated to his job. One of the things that's most telling for me is when, when he scores... And then they show the bench cheering. It means they like them. Mm -hmm. We, today, this is Wednesday, we just watched the Houston Rockets play. I watched Ryan Anderson for four years. And he would take some shots that if they went in, they would zoom to the bench. No one cared. It's It shows that the team didn't like those dickhead shots that he takes. I did, because they went in. But... When Noah Vonley makes a simple mid-range jumper, the team goes crazy. It shows that, yeah, he really is that little brother to all those guys. It it means that they're going to develop continuity with each other. In a few years, he'll be that power forward that Dustin and I believed he was last year when we just saw little bits and pieces.
0: And that's, that's just it. Like He had a lot of potential coming out of Indiana, and he goes mm-hmm. to the Hornets where they're stacked with bigs. He gets moved. Portland kind of just throws him into the fire, he starts 56 games for a team that many thought would struggle. You know, We start to do well, kind of sub him out. He kind of gets phased out as the season goes on. He I mean, doesn't really get a whole lot of playoff shine. So coming into the season, we re-sign Myers. Uh, We still have Ed, we still have Mason, and we bring back – or we resign – don't no, resign. We go out and we get Festus, and everyone's like, uh, might spell the end for Noah Von Lay. Even but,
1: I asked that during the summer.
0: But we don't see the practices. We don't see what goes on behind closed doors, and he's been just destroying it, and it showed up. And he is going to be a major storyline that I'm going to watch over the season because – Portland has two superstars right now. I still think they need a third, or at least a third all star type of player. Quasi. Of all the of all the players that we have outside of Lillard and McCollum, Vonley has that highest ceiling. Mm-hmm. And whether he achieves it in Portland or is good enough to be an enticing trade piece to get a guy like, you know, Boogie Cousins or whatever, some other disgruntled star, Portland needs his development to either achieve one of those goals. Mm-hmm. And the other man that really stood out was Alan Crabb. And everyone knows his situation. Brooklyn threw out seventy-five million over four years. You know, the consensus was Portland should not match this. That's overpaying for a role player. But Neil O'Shea, I think, did the right thing. He matched. You cannot let talent just walk out the door. And yes, Crab is always probably going to be a role player. As long as Lillard and McCollum are on the team, he's likely going to be a sixth man type probably in the finishing five a few times around the season because he can not play the three but he looked so confident sage he had 18 points off the bench and really did everything we needed whenever we needed a bucket uh it just felt like ac was there and he goes six of ten from the field four or five from three three assists three boards in 29 minutes and if he i know he's not going to go four or five from three every night but if he can be that that Kyle Culver knockdown shooter off the bench, that just brings a whole other dimension to this team because he is still young as well. He was mm-hmm. class in 2013, came out as a junior. Uh is a young team. Like there's Yes, they have a lot of experience because they went through all of this last year, but they are still a young team. And guys like Crabb, they're not a finished product. And that's what Neil saw. He's like, I'm not paying $75 million for this Alan Crabb. I'm paying 75 for what I think he's going to be in four years.
1: Yeah, and and there's a lot of ageism about people that went into two or three or four years in college thinking that they will be a finished product. You know what? Tim Duncan played in college for three or four years. Guess what? He is the best power forward of all time. So just because you got that extra bit of seasoning in college doesn't mean you're used up or this is what this player is always going to be because he stayed that extra year. Some it, It's all about the person, the individual. It's not just, he's 24, this guy's 18. I might have got the ages mixed up, but like 22, not 24. Let's,
0: whatever. I'm old. Noah and ACU were responsible for 29 of Portland's 38 bench points. One player making his Blazer debut was Evan Turner. Got a big ovation from the crowd. I have a feeling online he is going to be possibly the new Myers Leonard where it's going to be you love him or you hate him and everything he does is going to be under the microscope because Portland spent their maximum cap money. They spent a chunk of it on Evan Turner after what people maybe perceived as missing out on Dwight Howard and Hassan Whiteside, which we really never had a chance. It was really down to Chandler Parsons or Evan Turner. Turner, I thought, came out, took good looks, but he was really... I feel like he was pressing it. He looked like he was aiming the ball even more so than this shot normally looks. And he finished one of seven. And what I like about his game is it, it didn't take about of, of his performance. He's not just a score. He was still able to add five boards, five assists and one steal and one block. And he was still a plus 10 in 26 minutes. He still found ways to help out the team. And he had a big three point play in the second half. So don't, Turner, he's his production, if you're looking just by points, yeah, you're going to say this. This, well, signing this guy was, sucks, yeah. Yeah, he's terrible. This is a failure. You have to look at him almost like a Nicholas Batum where he's going to fill up that stat sheet and is going to be more valuable as a ball handler, someone just to take pressure off of Lillard and McCollum and just create the offense. And I really think as the season goes on, he's going to get more comfortable and confident with his team. I mean, everybody on the team already loves him, loves his personality. Just give it some time. I mean, we're still—I mean, that's one game in, but we're still winning.
1: Mm-hmm. As as I've gotten older, I've cared less and less and less about points scored because if you're an elite scorer, you're going to be consistent.
0: But and it's a flawed metric. Let's just to judge players by.
1: Yeah, but if he takes those same shots tomorrow against the Clippers, correct, and he goes four for seven, people are going to think, "Hey, this guy's good." But what you really, what I look for in a player being good or bad, is does he play defense, rebound, assist? Does he help the team? You can say Evan Turner helped the team because of his five rebounds, five assists, and he played good defense. Scoring doesn't matter because it's so random, unless you're an elite scorer. So pay attention to the other things surrounding the game, other than does he make the ball go through the net? Because a lot of times, that's just so random. Sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're cold. I mean, I I would be surprised if Damian Lillard went one for seven, but Evan Turner going one for seven really doesn't bother me because it's so randomized because he's not an elite guy.
0: We do have two guys who it's not randomized and who are very elite, though, Sage. Uh, Lillard and McCollum. It's like
1: we we actually planned that. (laughs)
0: Lillard and McCollum proved once again why they are at least, at least a top two backcourt in the entire NBA. 64 points, Sage. 21 of 36 shooting. 6 of 8 from 3. 16 of 16 from the line. My God, they looked amazing. And they made it look so, so easy. I looked up at the scoreboard and was like, CJ has like 25. It, it didn't feel like it because he wasn't shooting a lot and he was very efficient. Uh, and then Dame. we, There's just... you run out of words to describe how amazing this dude is and how he just looks so much improved. I know the health has a lot to do with it, but we're really seeing how the game slows down for him. His three point stroke looks amazing, but most impressively Rudy Gobert used to give a lot of two years ago when he came on the scene, gave a lot of players trouble. He was blocking LaMarcus's fadeaway shots. Uh, Dame always dunked on him here and there. But both he and CJ were going right at Gobert, and they were making the most difficult finishes look like routine. Mm -hmm. And actually, I was watching Talking Ball afterwards, came home from the game. Jason Quick said that they were working out all summer with an unnamed coach, about 6'8 in height, and he was challenging them every time they were going at the rim. So that really got them ready for live action. I know a 6'8 guy is nothing compared to Gobert, but obviously it worked because – Gobert wasn't even sniffing the ball. I mean, the timing on these shots, I, if you've never played basketball before, just re-di- try to just recreate any of those layups Dame did with nobody guarding you. That ball's going in not even half the time. Mm-hmm. It's incredible at how easy he's making this look. But that's what MVP cal- caliber players do.
1: I honestly think he's like the second best point guard in the league now. I, who's,
0: I who's one for
1: you? I, I still have to go Curry.
0: Okay, so you think he's better than Russ?
1: Yeah, I do. You can talk about Dame's defense being bad, but here's a little trick of the trade for anyone who wants to be a DFS player. Always play the guy Russell's going against, because he also gets pretty busy. I, don't, I think if Russ actually forced himself to be a defender, he's better, but that doesn't happen every game. Dame brings it every game and is more diverse offensively.
0: And just watching those two, it, whether it's CJ shaking and baking, probing the defense, working the mid-range, or you've got Dame, the sweet pick-and-roll, you know the give-and-goes and those those finishes. Those pocket passes up.
1: have been, they've been getting really elite because he gets it right where it needs to be to hit Mason or whomever is rolling through the basket in stride,
0: which is I mean, really want, hard to do. You know, six dimes, nine boards. like he was. He, that's a lot for a point guard.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's nine contributing for- in other fields. You remember when Dennis Rodman won Defensive Player of the Year so many times? Mm-hmm. I used to think, why is Dennis Rodman getting it? But the defensive possession isn't over until someone gets the rebound. So he helped that defense a lot with those nine boards. I don't know how many were defensive. but Eight he ha-
0: defensive, one offensive.
1: Eight. So he ended the Jazz, Jazz's possession eight times with
0: rebounds. And if I remember correctly, not a lot of them were just, like, right to him. Like, he was very active in, in crashing the glass. But what I, I loved most is the game was close. I, I had a little bit of doubt. I was like, I don't know if we're going to take this, take this home. Our defense was struggling. We were kind of going possession for possession. Then all of a sudden, Dame, I think we missed a three. He pulls up from the M on the, on the logo in the script. Just splash, and it's like, okay, we we got this dude on our team. Like it's Lillard time. We're not losing this game. And like I said, that's what he keeps what,
1: coming up clutch. Where did uh, Evan?
0: Those that shirt's fire.
1: Yeah, man. He he's the man. Like the the. Did you see the CJ shirt? This is not an Evan plug, by the way. But did you see that CJ shirt? I did. It's, it's hot. It's it. flames. It's absolutely flames.
0: And. Back to Dame, I I love the swagger that he induces in this team. He's talking Western Conference Finals. Uh, He's talking MVP. He said – he told Casey Holdall of the Trailblazers, I want to be the MVP. I think if we come out and do the things that we're capable of doing as a team and we win games, I think that means that my performance will be at the level of the MVP. And – What's amazing about that is he's not singling himself out as much as one would think because he says this is all a team based award. If we're winning as a team, that means I'm doing my thing. And that goes hand in hand. The Blazers are a top two or three seed. Dame continues to put up numbers like he did last night. He has to be in, in that that short list of, of people who you put in your who you put in your ballot. And we've already seen Steve if, Kerr, oh, we've already seen Jalen Rose come out and endorse Dame for MVP. Um, I know he's probably a long shot in comparative terms to other players in the league, but for the first time since Clyde Drexler going into the 92 season, Portland has probably their best shot at an MVP candidate. Mm -hmm.
1: I, I think we should actually do this one of these days, but if you were to do like a, you and I were doing like a pick 'em contest and like we were building the best team, what pick would Damian Lillard go for you?
0: How many? How many people are in this pool? Because if it's just me and you, it's probably like,
1: uh, let's say four. It's a four-person pool. It's like a. I'd four say
0: he's he's easily a second-round pick. Yeah. I think he's a top-eight talent in this league.
1: I I, I would agree. I, just the way his leadership, his shooting, all that stuff is so elite. I I, I mean, would, I would probably pick him. Um, he would be a second-round pick for me if I could get. Adian Damian Lillard I'd feel pretty confident about my team. But
0: and yeah, you, like you said, the intangibles and the tangi- the tangibles that he produces on the court what's crazy is the intangibles almost out outperformed actually his his numbers. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy to think because he is such a great leader like you said. He leads that locker room. He's been here since you know he got drafted. Everyone left. He's like, "No, I'm going to re up for 5 years. I don't want any outs in my contract. Um, everyone on the team always like ever all the new guys come in, they're like they're always tight with Dame, whether it's you know, Luis Montero who's not on the team, who was the 15th man previously up to Dame. There is no sense of ego. Like they're all tight. And I think when you have a, a selfless superstar like Lillard, that cultivates an amazing culture where performance can almost not outweigh but performance can like I'm trying to think of a word. You're outperforming your talent. Mm-hmm. Your talent, like the Blazers, may have a perceived ceiling, but because of the leadership that Lillard instills, people are going above and beyond. Absolutely,
1: that, that 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 makes total sense. Whoa, oh, snap! We forgot to congratulate our fifteenth, our newest fifteenth man.
0: I thought we did that last episode. Uh-uh. No,
1: no, because that came out. We uh, published it before it came out. So, congrats to you, Jim Porterman.
0: Yeah, what? I mean, he's a tall, lanky guard. I mean, obviously the fourth guard, but as Jason Quick Is mentioned...
1: He the four, it, would, wouldn't he be the fifth like, ball, ball
0: handler? Well, I guess you, a true point guard in the depth chart, yeah. but yes. I think Jason Quick said we paid him like 75000 guaranteed. The other two are like 6000 so they are yet a lot invested in Quarterman. Mm-hmm. We didn't see a whole lot of him, which was interesting. So he must have done the bulk of his work in practice. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he if he sticks around. I have a feeling that um, if he does play, it probably won't be in Portland, just because you know Lillard, McCollum, Evan Turner, Shabazz Napier are all you know successful and capable ball handlers, and then you've got Quarterman. I do think he's an intriguing prospect, but. Like Montana, I, I think it's a, it's a long play with quarterback. Right if he plays,
1: play. I'm devastated. If he plays meaningful minutes this year, I'm yeah, devastated. Unless,
0: unless we're blowing out teams, like he's probably not going to get any runs. He
1: better be an epically good flag waiver. He needs to be the Patty Mills of sharing on his teammates.
0: Agreed. Uh, speaking of like waving players, how surprised were you to see the Suns wave Archie Goodwin?
1: I don't think Archie Goodwin's good, but he's young. And it was, had a pretty team-friendly contract. So I was actually pretty surprised they cut him. The one Didn't that have
0: a game-winning dunk in the preseason against Utah? I don't pay
1: attention to that. Maybe. I remember, see,
0: I remember seeing a Vine where Archie Goodwin took a strong and had a power dunk to win the game. on the, I know it's preseason, but that's an NBA move. Like mm-hmm. He's still a first-round pick. So And young. And, and then the Celtics released RJ Hunter, who I think was a first-round pick last year.
1: No, I think it was a few years ago. I think 20, the
0: 2014. Yeah. 2004.
1: The biggest one surprise to me was Jared Jack
0: and cut. Who cut Jared Jack?
1: Atlanta. I would
0: that's, that's his hometown, too. That's tough. I wouldn't finish. No, he Sh- was picked last year. Archie Hunter was 2015. Wow. He was a rookie year. He got cut after his rookie year.
1: Wow. Alright. I still think Jared Jack was the most surprising because there's a trust, lot
0: of surprises.
1: I I don't trust Devin Schroeder to be my point guard. He doesn't have a consistent enough shot. I think Jarrett Jack's uh, like a calming presence for Atlanta. And I don't even know who the backup point guard is. I don't. Know, he could. He could really help a team that needed point guard help.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope he doesn't go to Golden State because they were really good when Jarrett Jack was. Yeah, back,
1: back before Sean Livingston was the yep. backup. It was Jar- That was the
0: year they they scared the Spurs. They came out of nowhere. Yeah,
1: they got him from New Orleans for like a second round pick and a Euro stash that will never play. I think I remember oh my god, this is dating me. But I think they traded like some dude and the only thing that was remarkable about him was that he had the nickname the hairiest European player.
0: All right, Sage, let's get into some, some fan questions that we got via Twitter. If you're not following us, please do so, at Holy Backboard, also on the gram, at Holy Backboard from Jackson. He says, did last night change your expectations for Vonlay this year? I'll let you take that one first, buddy.
1: In a way, yeah. The thought process that he was, he wasn't going to get much time on the court because of all the depth. And him beating out Myers for more PT, kind of shows that, yeah, he's going to be part of this rotation. So, yeah, like him getting rotation minutes surprised me. What about you?
0: I never fell off his bandwagon. No,
1: but it was just because of the the teams that was around him was making yeah, me feel Yeah, so way.
0: I felt like he wasn't, for, I felt he was unjustly going to get fewer minutes. I've always wanted him to get more minutes.
1: You compared him to Jermaine O'Neal. Yes. That, that type of wait your turn aspect.
0: So I was surprised to see he got plugged into the game pretty early in the second quarter. It's like, okay, sweet. Noah, what do you got? And then he hits those first couple jumpers, and I'm like, okay. And he kept doing it. Mm. And I was to the point where I was yelling at Terry to keep him in or put him in instead of Myers in that third quarter. So now that he was getting playing time, of course the expectations change. They, they have to. If he's going to be a, a member of the 9 or 10-man rotation, I would love to see him get 15 minutes a night. I don't think there's any sort of <clears> – <throat> statistical numbers that I'm looking for him to grow from year over year, but it's all in the eye test. Is he going to continue to shoot with confidence? Can he do more than shoot the basketball? Uh, is he more consistent with the three point shot? Can he put the ball on the floor? What are his moves look like in the post? We haven't seen much of a post game outside of, you know, that little running hook he has. Does he have a counter move? Does he have a counter to the counter move? Also, you're going to watch his defense. Uh, how is he rebounding the ball? Is he doing it as well as he did early in the preseason and last night? And is he able to play good perimeter defense and man defense? How is his help defense? You're looking at all these things, and you want to go – let's fast forward to say May. We're in the playoffs. Where is Vonley in May compared to where is Vonley right now? You want to see – I wouldn't say a significant change, but you want to see some improvement, some improvement that gives you enough hope that this guy is part of our core. He's part of our future. He's not somebody we want to package. Or if we do package him, we need to get something very special in return. So that's what I'm looking for. So expectations. Is, uh, yeah, we just extended yeah, him yeah. and Shabazz Napier, their fourth so, year. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I, I'm, I just want to see improvement from
0: him. Yeah, just little, I wouldn't say like slight improvement, but, but moderate improvement. And if, he, if last night's any indication, he's already way surpassed those. So I don't expect him to play like that every night. If he does, those are through the roof. Was uh, the, the only fan question, but I have, a, I have a question for you, Sage. Oh, God. So going back to the MVP talk, and we did this last year as our the, on the podcast, who is your, in order, your top three MVP candidates for the 2016-2017 season?
1: I think the Warriors are going to cancel each other out.
0: Um, I, I would agree with that. And also the- – no way, anyone on that team can be considered an MVP because, as I was telling Matt at the game last night, they could theoretically lose any two of those players and still be a legitimate championship threat.
1: So I'm, I'm not gonna include any Warriors. I think LeBron has to be in there. Um, well,
0: what, what order though? Like one, two, three. Like who's I'd your MVP? Say, who's your runner-up? Who's get the bronze?
1: I'd put. LeBron, 1. I don't think the Rocks will be good enough, so James Harden's out, but he'll have good numbers. Russ might get third. I don't want to put Dame, because that's just too homery. But I think he'll be fourth. Damn, that's difficult, man. Uh, I'll go... Fuck it, I'll go... LeBron, Russ, and Dame.
0: So you won't go full Homer. Your boy here is going to go full Homer. I think it's Dame. I think it's Dame's year. The uh, the card set up for the Blazers. no do you he,
1: think he will actually get it, or will he be the most valuable player?
0: If our, our projections come, if they, if my projections come true, third in the West, fifty-seven wins. I, I think the Warriors absolutely have to cancel each other out. I don't think LeBron plays enough games in a Eastern Conference that doesn't mean a whole lot to him. They could win that whole fucking conference as the 8th seed. So I don't think he plays enough meaningful minutes to win the MVP. I think he is the best player in the game. Oh, he is the most like Leonard. Yes, he would be in my top 3. So that's why it's tough to to gauge LeBron because he is our best the best player in the NBA. But there are going to be nights where he's going to rest, and if the Cavs go through another lull where they just don't give a shit about the regular season, they're going to look bad, and it's they're not going to put up numbers that they should, especially coming from the defending champs. James Harden is another good candidate, but as we saw tonight, they can't even beat the Lakers, and there's going to be... They're probably a 500 team. He's going to have unreal numbers. But if
1: your team's not successful, you shouldn't be in the, the list. It,
0: exactly. Um it's I, tough. It's tough because while I do think the Warriors cancel each other out, I think probably Curry's gonna finish probably third. And that's gonna be it pains me to say that. I, I don't even want him to be in the th- but Curry will one of the Warriors, what <clears> is Curry, they will be in the top three. I think Kawhi is my number two. Um he's gonna have to be that true leader of the Spurs mm. if finish top two, like I think if anything indicates what he did last night. He's my number two, and I'm going to be full homer. I fully admit that. Rip City till I die. Damian Lillard is is my MVP. Uh, he looks like an MVP, even in preseason, even last night. CJ is a great player, but Dame was just on another level. The way he really put the team on his back, kept us afloat, and then put the nail in the Jazz coffin. Um, I probably think LeBron will finish four in the top five. I think if we're looking for... A sneaky guy to, to go in there. Don't sleep on maybe like a Kyle Lowry or Demar Rosen, Rosen, because Ugh. they they could be a team that really wants that home court advantage in the East and go all out in the regular season.
1: Okay, that so, that makes sense. I just don't want to ever put Demar Rosen in my top five, anything.
0: But <clears throat> oh, but or ju- judging by winning teams mm, criteria, yeah, in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I think he, he he might be up there, but those are my... Also, Russell. So maybe Drew is six. I think Russell does finish top five. I think they're just going to have a hard time winning enough games for his numbers to justify MVP. At the end of the day, it's about great players, but you have to win some form of games because the MVP traditionally doesn't go to a, a player on a team that's not at least a top three seed. And I just do not see that from the OKC Thunder this year. Can so.
1: I, I have to address something. Uh, people gave me crap about... Something I said last podcast, and I would like to address it. It's cool.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Cool. Uh, um, I talked about trading the first round pick and Myers Leonard for Greg Monroe, and I've you've heard me on this podcast say I fucking hate Greg Monroe, but I think, and I addressed this on the Blazers Edge podcast. I didn't say it on ours. I think the new trend in the NBA will be offensively minded bigs that are but have a high usage rate their future role is as a sixth man. So whenever I bring up a player like Greg Monroe getting traded to the Blazers, it's as a sixth man, not as a starter. I hate Greg Monroe as a starter, but as a sixth man he can go against any sixth big and or third big and dominate. I wanted to address that because I got numerous text messages about that.
0: I don't know who's talking noise to you, Sage, but I trust your basketball opinion over many, many, many others out there. So keep doing you, my friends. Let's let's move ahead to the week that will be for our Portland Trailblazers. They have two games uh, the rest of the week. They are 1-0 on the season. Tomorrow night is at TNT, the first of a few um, kicks off. The only time the Clippers visit Rip City. And is Houston days. the other – uh yes, what? Houston we all I wish I
1: I wanted them to be the uh, a four-time thing cuz could you imagine Dame and CJ against that defense? <sighs>
0: DFS oh galore god yeah. So we got the Clippers on Thursday and then we hit the road for a quick jaunt in the Mile High City against the Denver Nuggets. It will be their home opener Saturday. October 29th, that will be a 6 p.m. start, but let's let's us first, first and foremost, the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, they will be the, the, the very last team to tip off the 2017 season. How important, because <clears throat> I know it's early in the season, and I know while we like to say every game matters, and to me it really does, maybe people don't put as much weight on November games as they do April. But how important is it for the Blazers to not only win this game, but show that their playoff victory wasn't 100? Everyone's saying they only won because Chris Paul and Blake got hurt. Yes, it significantly <laughs> it helped. <laughs> but in my eyes, it was a 2 2 series going back to L.A., even if those guys were healthy. Mm-hmm. Do the Clippers probably close that out in seven? In my opinion, yes. But we don't know that for certain. So it always bugs yeah, me. Yeah, we'll never like,
1: know this. We'll never know yeah. it.
0: It always bugs me that it's a certainty. The Blazers went to the second round, but...
1: No, that's stupid. I mean, you, each team gets the dealt the hand they get dealt. No need to dwell on any of that bullshit. It happened. Blazers jumped on it and succeeded. It really doesn't matter. I, I, I don't I don't need uh, anybody else's opinion.
0: Any to, validation.
1: Any validation from anybody else. What happened happened. I don't give a shit. Uh I think it's important cuz I would like to go 2-0, but I don't really care if it's the Clippers, the Warriors, Thunder, Boston, whatever. I, it's just a normal game to me.
0: To me, I think I I think it is a big game. I think they do need to show up and especially on a national audience because that narrative is going to be out there. And I think it's important for Portland, you know, they have these lofty expectations that we've talked about MVP, conference finals, um etc. They have lofty goals. One, you got to protect your home court. That's for certain. You going this, this game? Is, yes, this is part of my half. Oh half-season.
1: shit! How was the season opener? Because we never addressed this. Was it dope? Well,
0: season opener was amazing. It was oh. my eleventh straight season opener that I've been to. Uh, I unfortunately had to miss a work outing, which included free booze and food. And I was telling my boss, I was like, I was nervous that the Blazers were possibly going to lose this game, and I was sitting there like. I better not they better win because I passed up free booze and, and free free food for this. Was it so, cater? Uh yeah.
1: <laughs> oh nice.
0: <laughs> so definitely was excited to go to the game, was bummed that the team dinner um fell on opening night, but like I said, I have
1: a bad ske- scheduling errors.
0: Yep. I had, you know, a street going. This is my eleventh straight. It was awesome. And I hope the atmosphere is as loud as it was opening night. What's up Thursday. with those lights? After um, every pretty, I don't know. It was just pretty dope. Like They just worked. It was like the playoffs.
1: I mean, because I was on that jazz stream, I didn't get introduced to any of the stuff the Blazers were doing. So I'm just like, what's that flashing lights? In, yeah, <laughs> on they were all,
0: all on the wrist, and they just were... Um, oh, that's dope. Yeah. But Portland needs to feed off that atmosphere, because I think it is going to be loud. It's a Thursday night. TNT, yeah, you got the Clippers, first-round playoff opponent from last year, and I think Portland really needs to take it to them. Like, show the national stage that these lofty goals we have, they're not just hyperbole. They're not just, you know, word vomit that the Blazers are throwing out there and they're just trying to see what can stick. These words actually have some legitimacy behind them. And Sage, if you're the Trailblazers, what are your keys to beating the Clippers because this is a huge game. You only get the Clippers three times. You're likely going to be in a battle with them for home court advantage in the playoffs. You have The Blazers, I think, have to win this game because, like we said, we only play them three times, and if we want any chance at winning the tiebreaker with them in the regular season, we really got to win tomorrow night.
1: Mm, I feel like it's the same every time we play Chris Paul, but it's um, make sure he is uncomfortable Watch out for the pick and roll that they love to run. Uh, I think that this is one of the games we really uh, we need to hedge a little bit. Just make sure make Chris Paul think a little, because when he plays us, it's really just reactionary. He just knows, oh, they're not gonna blitz me. I can shoot this, and CP three has a nice mid range jumper. And if he's set, he can make three. So it's it's really make Chris Paul uncomfortable.
0: I think there are a couple keys to the game. One, I think the glaring glaring key in the glaring strength that Portland has in this matchup is the bench. If they outscore the Clipper counterparts like they did Utah's bench, Portland will likely win this game.
1: Who is okay? Austin Rivers, Reese Bates. Wes Johnson,
0: Raymond Felton.
1: Oh, fatty Raymond Felton. Mo, I already said most baits.
0: Didn't you already I? said most. Fuck. Wesley Johnson. I said that. Uh, Brandon Bass.
1: Oh yeah, I know him well.
0: So their their bench is trash. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, you, you can just stop watch pick and pop. Just watch, pick, pick and pop. watch, just watch most baits and don't let Oscar Rivers get anything easy. Uh, play solid, solid defense. In, when the bench units are in there, don't get sloppy. I think it's just
1: stay disciplined. Stay like, disciplined is right. You can, one mistake in a pick and roll, and it's a basket. So stay disciplined. If if CP three scores on you, don't don't hang your head. Just next play, shut them down. Or you know, well, we can't get discouraged. But. It's kind of weird not having any tape of this 2016-17 Clippers to talk about, but it's it's the same shit. Make sure Chris Paul doesn't kill you.
0: So you mentioned Paul. The guy I'm going to talk about, it's not DeAndre Jordan. Blake Griffin. It's not Blake Griffin. J.J. Redick. Ooh. He gave us fits in those early games the Clippers won. In fact, during the regular season last year, J.J. Redick, he didn't go off on Portland. He only averaged, you know, 13 points. Um, but he did shoot 40% from three. But if you go to...
1: I just feel like our guards and wings are up for the challenge of chasing him around screens. I was always pretty happy with CJ's effort on chasing him around screens. I know it's a big deal, but def- like that is a huge... Oh, oh
0: he, he runs around... Yeah, like Richie Miller, but looking at the postseason stats, he man, he really dropped off. He yeah, he, a... he, he
1: he he shies away from that spotlight pretty, uh, pretty well in uh, uh, postseason play.
0: Oh, you're you're right. I mean, so after those two opening games, I, I just remember him killing us, and he did. He had 17 points each game, each game shot over 50, percent and he really got them started. He got them going. Uh, he really kind of fell off. He had five points in game three, eight points in game four, and then really boosted his production a little bit more. But that was after CP3 and Blake went out, so he was the main option. But we can't let him get that 17 points. Like We especially could not let him get started early. It reminds me a lot of Golden State and Clay Thompson when they played the Blazers. It's Clay that gets them going, starts hitting threes, and everything opens up. I think it's a very bad sign for Portland if they come out and run plays for Redick and he's running McCollum off screens and he's getting buckets. Mm-hmm. That is a terrible sign. We do not want to see that. I think CJ needs to deny him the basketball. Um, if it's a couple fouls off the ball, that's fine. But, you know, maybe rough him up a bit coming around the screens. Just make it a little bit more difficult. Play physical with him and just make him take a tough shot. Get a hand in the face. Um, Reddick is a guy. Who I think if they get going, it's we. You know Blake's going to get his. DeAndre's going to have a couple highlight dunks and dominate the glass. And Paul is going to be Paul. But if you can limit, you can't let the
1: other guy. Like you can't let the other guys. I got a question. Who has worse small forward rotation? The Clippers, Clippers, or the Thunder? It's I mean it's equally bad. It's 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 fucking awful.
0: And that's another area Portland needs to take advantage uh, Chief didn't have the best of games, but Alan Crabb had an amazing game. We really need to take advantage of them starting um, Bamute.
1: So do you think there will be someone, like, let's say CJ picks up two quick fouls. Do you think we'll hide them on Mute for a while? Let Crab oh. and not uh, Hendo, Evan Turner... Uh, chase him around screens and stuff. Yeah, I think
0: that the beauty about having depth is you can just bench CJ. Like mm-hmm. you get two fouls, we're going to go to Turner. We're going to go to Crab. We could even go to Napier and move Dame over to the two. But thinking of Dame,
1: put Quarterman
0: in. <laughs> excuse me. Speaking of Dame, the Clippers were really the first team to blitz him as soon as he got across half court. You know, CB three and DeAndre just pretty much built a wall, and they were like, "You're not going to beat us." I fully expect them to instill that strategy tomorrow night, especially after Dame's monster opening night performance. What are some keys or what are some ways that Dame can make them pay for paying so much attention to him? And a follow-up question, can he still get a lot of points if the defense is putting that much attention to him?
1: I think Dame will always get his points. but I think it's smart to, when they blitz, pass it to the open man. We have more depth. We have more talent on our team. So when that blitz happens, you pass it to the open man. And if it's Evan Turner, Mason Plumley, they can initiate some of the offense. I think Dame will always get his, but it's cutting down on the mistakes that happen after he passes is important.
0: Do you think Dame will get more of his points off the ball then?
1: I think that I think it's a pretty good uh, possibility because – How many people can keep up with him when he makes his really tight cuts. Like, he's been running off ball. He's been running – he's been getting open much more frequently because he's taking better angles around screens and such.
0: So you mentioned Devin Turner. I think this is a prime example of why Portland acquired Turner and why Neal really targeted him because of the additional ball handling skills where he can either bring the ball up the court or if he's playing alongside Lillard and McCollum, the Clippers decide to send the double. You pass it to him, and Turner is a very capable distributor. Do you see a lot of assists or a lot of good decision-making coming out of Turner? Absolutely.
1: That, I mean, this is one of the perfect games for him to just go 4-7, play good defense, get some assists, get those rebounds. I mean, I think this will be an Evan Turner game. I think he could finish with, like, 11 Seven
0: and five. All right, Sage. Do the Blazers go two and zero? Do they get this much much needed victory over the Clippers tomorrow night?
1: I think so. Yeah. What about you?
0: I think it's going to be another one. Uh, It's going to be be a nail biter. I'm not going to
1: be. It's not going to
0: be an easy. No, I think this is another fought win. I think this is another nail biter. I think it's another game where Dame or CJ Mm -hmm. just hit us a big shot down the stretch, and we get that one stop we need. I think we're still going to see our defensive woes. We're going to see our defense exposed. But like the Blazers have done recently, I think they're going to adjust just in the nick of time, make a play here or there, and then rely on their superstar backcourt to to really get them out of of a pickle. And I, I think they'll win maybe by three to five points. It's going to be a close one. So definitely tune in. I mean, it's a nationally
1: televised game. you got to support, man.
0: So oh, the last okay. game.
1: I will. You'll be there. You better be screaming.
0: Oh, I I lost my voice for opening night. I even came back with a headache. Mm-hmm. So I, I did my part. The next, the last game we're going to preview of this week is a Saturday night, Saturday night clash in Denver against the no- Northwest Division rival Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets, they're going to be sitting sitting pretty, waiting waiting for us in Denver. It's going to be their home opener. Sorry to say, they did defeat your Pelicans on opening night in mm-hmm. New Orleans, 107 to 102. So they will have two days off. Portland will only have one. It's always tough to beat a team on their floor for opening night. I don't think people can understate that just enough. Yes, the Nuggets are probably going to be the worst team in our division, but one, the altitude is different. Two, it's opening night. the The juices and adrenaline are just going to be at an all time high. Especially for a team like Denver who this is essentially their playoff game. They don't really have playoff aspirations. Their fans probably know. So this is, this is their game. And they would love nothing more than to knock off the Trailblazers who now have a big fucking target on their back mm-hmm. because they did last year. They're not going to sneak up on anybody. We don't have a whole lot to go off on Denver. Sage, you watch that game tonight against your Pelicans. Give us a little rundown of what Portland should come to expect on Saturday.
1: They, have, they were the worst at ball control I've ever seen in a, of an NBA team. I think New Orleans had like 16 steals. Something astronomical. They, don't, they didn't have good ball control at all. They really pounded the paint. Ken Farid actually came off the bench. and
0: 16 steals, yes. Yeah.
1: 16 steals. Ken Fareed came off the bench, and in that role, he is pretty perfect. He plays really hard defense. He's, I mean, he's like the uh, uh, energy guy on steroids. If they pack the paint on us, we have to hit those threes. Because in the game against New Orleans, they had Nurkic and Jokic. They're, they're bigs. They hit a good number of three-pointers. So close out on shooters that aren't Emmanuel Moutier. He still can't shoot, but... He can drive to the hole pretty hard. Um, he actually contributed a lot on rebounding, so we all have to box out. They all have to box out. So I think rebounding is huge, and forcing turnovers will be huge because they don't have that veteran guy to calm them all down. I mean, Jameer Nelson had three turnovers, I believe. So there was all it was all just bad run offense, but they hit threes and got rebounds.
0: Yeah, Denver coughed the ball up 24 times. If they do that against Portland, Portland will definitely make them pay and take advantage of that. You said forcing turnovers will be key. I think limiting turnovers on Portland's end will be key because guys like Will Barton love to play the passing lanes. We even saw in that preseason game uh, in Portland where Portland was turning the ball over right and left and Denver was making us... Um, pay for it by getting easy, fast, prank points. They're a young team. They're ready to run. They want to use their athleticism, get their legs underneath them. Uh, Like we said, they're playing in the altitude. Mile high. Mile high. And in front of their home fans, they want the highlight plays. Portland really needs to make sure their passes are crisp. Play a solid, fundamental game. Talent-wise, there's nobody debating it. Portland is a better team. So if you strip away the mental mistakes and you just play a solid, fundamental Mm -hmm. game, More times than not, you're going to come away with a victory. You know, obviously you have to put the ball in the basket, but it's the little things that really can cause you to lose the game on the road, especially to a team of, you know, not as high caliber as you. So definitely taking care of the ball is one for me. Another big, there's a couple more. Another big key is free throws. If Portland can get to the line and not necessarily get any one player in foul trouble, but Take the air out of the stadium. If you're okay. slowing the game down, you're scoring while the clock is stopped. If you can do that and limit the momentum runs of Denver, you know, quiet the crowd, that's going to be key. I'm looking for Portland to get at least 25 attempts at the line. I know they went 22 of 22 against the Jazz. If they could go 22 to 25 attempts, that's going to be amazing for them, especially our backcourt. Lillard and McCollum need to be aggressive and not just settle for that jump shot, get to the lane, uh, because there's no Rudy Gobert down there, mm, it's
1: Jokic okay. and Nurkic. Uh, AD got 17 free throws. They are pretty cool with fouling. They they love sending people to the line. So my last my last game could eat.
0: You mentioned rebounding. I think this goes hand in hand. Second chance points. Chances are we're not going to shoot as well as we did opening night, and it'll be our first road game, so the depth perception might be a little bit off. Um, All arenas are different. Lighting is different. Shooters, some shoot well in Denver. Some don't shoot well in Denver. Um, It's pretty incredible if you break it down by arena how well teams shoot. But chances are we're not going to shoot lights out. You can never go into a game expecting to shoot lights out. What you can do is you can offensive rebound and get extra possessions, second chance points. If Portland wins the second chance points, they likely will win this game because you're out hustling an already hungry Denver team.
1: So do you think my... it'll be tip outs to like the perimeter, like Ed Davis will tip it out, or do you think they'll actually attack and try and get those
0: rebounds? I think it's going to be. They Ed. got some
1: beef in the post. They have,
0: and that's why it's such a key for me because mm-hmm. if we could take advantage of their beef, I mean you're really negating Denver's biggest biggest strength at that point. I think it's going to be a lot of edges going up and finishing around the rim because he's so efficient. Get We're those
1: Kobe's.
0: Exactly. Do you think Al
1: Faruk, I think Al Farouq might be one of the biggest factors in the game because he has to get those rebounds. He has to contest. He has to play against Jokic or Nurkic or Ken, Ken Farid. He has to get those rebounds, but he he gets the benefit of having them chase. He he gets to have them defend him. So if he can hit some threes, it will open up driving lanes. So I, I might have Al Farouk Aminu as my X factor this this game.
0: I think it's Chief and it's, it's Mo Harkless. Looking back, I know it's preseason, but when Portland was playing their starters in that first quarter, their best preseason basketball they played was likely uh, the Blazers' Nuggets. Oh. So when we played them in preseason in Portland, our best preseason basketball was likely that first seven-minute stretch when it was Moe and Chief stroking it from downtown. They were getting wide-open looks. Denver's likely going to give those guys looks. They don't want to live with Damon C.J. beating them. Mm. So if they can get open early, it's just going to open up everything else for everyone. That's going to be my key. How well do they put the ball in the basket to open it up for Damon C.J.? Because once if they do, then you're going to have our backcourt just being able to work, isolation, and then it's pretty much lights out, game over.
1: I think it might be a Myers game. For uh, For Yosef? I think so. Dustin's shaking his head, but I could see him going up against those that beefy line and doing okay. It's all about matchups, man. They got some beef.
0: They do have beef, and Nurkic definitely did pound us down low um, in the preseason. But, again, preseason, <clears throat> it could be a Myers game, but I think I really liked what I saw from Ed and Noah. Um, I think they just... They might not be as strong as Myers, but they just get after it. And I think there's just something about getting after it that is just not – it's hard to put a, a tangible number on it. It's mm. just – it's there, and it's valuable, and the team feeds off of it. Um, Do you if think they, can,
1: they have the desire to get it more than Ken Freed? That, it should be a good match of Ed Davis versus Kenneth Freed.
0: Oh, yeah. If there's a loose ball, my money is on Ed Davis over <laughs> – Everybody and Noah's becoming the same way. And you know, I would love to see Myers get there too. Mm -hmm. Because if he just gets a little more, I think the game is way too fast right now for Myers, and he's thinking way too much about every single thing he does. He just needs to say, Fuck it, I'm just gonna play basketball. I've got my contract. If I succeed, I succeed. If I don't, I gave it my fucking best. Mm -hmm. Just go out there and just breathe, play ball. And I think we would see a much better Myers, but you can tell the wheels are turning in there and he is just going so slow. You just have to play. Mm. I know it's easier said than done, but that's what the greats do. The game slows down for them and they just go off of instinct. Do you do you see us getting do you see us starting out three 0 sage?
1: I could, but I think the more losable game is Denver just because of the hometown, the the opening night, everyone's hyped, the altitude, more rest. But I, I, I think we'll go two or no, but if we drop one, it's against Denver.
0: I you know, I happen to agree wholeheartedly. I think the Denver game is very, very scary, especially with the Warriors looming in Portland and the following uh following game uh next Tuesday. But we've said all along, we're drinking the Blazer Kool-Aid, what they're what we're buying, what they're selling right now, talking about wanting to get to the Western Conference Finals. You want to get to the Western Conference Finals, you have to beat teams like Denver, mm-hmm. home winner or not. Um, it, it's just that simple, because the Spurs aren't going to lose to Denver. Chances are the Clippers probably aren't going to lose to Denver. You need these games because they all add up at the end, and you definitely want to be a top two or three seed so you miss the Warriors in the second round.
1: I mean, this is one of the it's one of the more winnable games on the schedule, just because Denver's lack of a star. So yeah an away win will always
0: be beneficial, but away. Yeah. If you can go any 30, given day
1: and I mean, beating a team that's having their opening night is pretty, it's pretty tough.
0: But it, so I, I think the Portland wins are valuable. Yep. You know, okay. the, the formula is 30 wins at home, 50, 50 on the road, 21. This is the 50, this is you, the you need to find 20, to 21 wins on the road. You can't let one like Denver slip by. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I think they're going to be focused and locked in. I've got them winning. I think they're going to pull away a little bit late, but it's going to be very close. I think they win by five or six points. Um, I just I have a good feeling about this team, and if it, we'll see, we'll see how they play. But so far, they're they're pretty serious about their their goals and expectations. And it, it starts with games like Denver. It starts with games like the Clippers. You get them one time on your home court, y- you have to take advantage. So, protecting the home court, winning winnable road games, that's a really good formula for not only winning the division but for getting that seed that you really want. I mean, I I think that about wraps it up. Sage, for all our listeners out there, if you would like to uh, subscribe to iTunes, give us that five-star rating, that would be Amazing and very much appreciated. We're also on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. I mentioned it earlier, but you can follow us on social um, at Holy Backboard on Insta and on Twitter. And if you just feel like sending us a good old-fashioned email, Holy at gmail.com. Sage, it has been real, but it's also 11:40 on a Wednesday night. I know you've got to do some producing. I've got to get up early for. A meeting, But it's always a pleasure, and I can't wait to do this again next week. Any final words?
1: I'm just happy basketball is back, and it's going to be a beautiful year. And enjoy the process, and that's it. Go Blazers. Go Blazers. Let's go! Let's go.